Welcome to Round Rock Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening. If you're in the Austin area, we'd love to have you join us this Sunday at 8.30 or 10 a.m. Or you can check us out and watch online at roundrockchurch.us. May God bless you as you seek Him, and may He use this message to give you exactly what you need. We'll be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 18, verses 6 through 14. As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, the, woman came, the women came out of all the towns of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they made merry, Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands. Saul was very angry for this saying displeased him. He said they have ascribed to David ten thousands and to me they've ascribed thousands. What more can he have but the kingdom? So Saul eyed David from that day on. The the next day, an evil spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul threw the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall, but David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed removed him from his presence and made him a commander of a thousand, and David marched out and came in, leading the army. David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. This is the word of the Lord from 1 Samuel 18, verses 6 through 14. Thanks, Aaron. You didn't have a seat, church. Uh, I want to go ahead and encourage you, if you have a Bible with you or you can pull out a phone just for a minute to turn to this story that we'll be uh, chewing on for a minute. It's in 1 Samuel 18. As you turn there today, I do have a question I want to start with, which is this. Have you ever experienced mishearing a song? Yes, (laughs) that's good. Have you ever had it before where you thought the lyrics to the song were one way or you thought the meaning of the song was one way and then later someone just washed over you the real truth of those words? There was a research group over in uh, Britain who actually wanted to test this out. What they would do is, is that they would go and conduct research by going out on the streets and taking some of the most popular songs out there and testing people on the spot to see if they could know the lyrics that were with the song. And it was really embarrassing to see how many songs we thought we knew until we had to say the lyrics, and then we realized we didn't know. Here were some of the most ridiculous ones that were found within the survey. Uh, This was the first one. We built this city off of sausage rolls, okay? All right, can we fill this in, repeat this instead? So we built this city on rock and roll. Excellent. Do we know who sang this? Absolutely, Starships. There we go, 1985. All right, here's another one. I want to hold your ham. Okay, I'm pretty sure the Beatles did not intend this whatsoever. All right, so I want to hold your hand. Okay, Beatles, 1964. Such a good year, right? Such a good year. I love 1964. All right, here's another one. That was a joke. Hold me closer, Tony Danza. Okay, I thought this was just a friend's joke. This is a real thing for people. Hold me close. Tiny Dancer, Closer Tiny Dancer, Elton John, 1971. Okay, here we go. This next one, it's going to test you a little bit. All right, all the lonely Starbucks lovers. Do we know? Yes, absolutely. Taylor Swift. Okay, do we know the actual line to this? 
Let's go. Someone's carrying the team over. Let's go, Ava Collins. All right, got a long list of ex-lovers. This was Taylor Swift, Tay Tay in 2014. Excellent. Extra points for this side. All right, let's do one more and then we're moving on. See that girl, watch her scream, kicking the dancing queen. This became a violent song very quickly. All right. What's the actual lyrics? See that girl, watch that scene, digging the dancing queen. Classic of a right. 1976. That song's gonna be stuck in your head for the rest of the day, okay? It's been there. I feel confident many of us will never do karaoke out in public because of this right here. That there are songs that we listen to that we mishear or we get the wrong message with. You are not exempt from that. I am not exempt from that. And the king that is in 1 Samuel 18 is not exempt from that either. David, who works for this king, after David has this major feat for the people of God, they come in singing a song. And this song says, Saul has killed his thousands. And David has killed his ten thousands. And when Saul hears this song, things get complicated because Saul compares his work to David's work. Now, the rabbis, some people who would be the holders, the storytellers of this, have noted that over time, this song did not have to be a song of comparison. As a matter of fact, it was a poetic device when you were trying to make an emphasis in a song to add numbers that built on top of one another. If you look at the song, this song is sung to Saul. Saul is the first one mentioned in this song. And ultimately, David's work benefits Saul's work. But if you listen closely, Saul cannot hear a a compliment about David without hearing a critique about his own work. And this is the complexity of our human hearts when it comes to the work that we do in our lives. Last week, we started the series called It's Complicated. And last week, I unpacked that one of the complexities of being human is that we have more of a divided heart, more divided intentions than we even are aware of in our lives. And we say this phrase all the time when our hearts fails. We go, you know what? You know, I'm just human. I'm just human. But the God of the Bible shows us that, yes, you may be human, but if you open your heart up to God, there are things possible that you never thought would have been possible in your life before. So each week what we're doing is we're unpacking a complexity that you will run into with your heart and your life. And we're doing this by reflecting on the life of David and the life of people around David and how that speaks to the complexity in your life. And the first one David runs into is his own work. How he works for King Saul. Working is God's human design. As a matter of fact, at the beginning of the Bible, when it is describing this God in Genesis, God is described as a worker. 
when you create, when you put in order, when you move things into spreadsheets, when you labor, when you sweat, when you do all the things that work entails, you are mirroring God. And when you work, you have the ability to be capable of mimicking God, but you also have the capability of complicating your work. All of our hearts have mixed motivations when working. As a matter of fact, it's been well researched and noted that we are changing as far as people and work goes. And if you need data points for this, all you have to do is pull up your Netflix account. If you would have noticed a couple decades ago before, if you would have seen the shows that people were watching, you would have noticed it was mostly families that the shows were built around. Brady Bunch, Full House, The Addams Family, Leave It to Beaver, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, okay? Those were the shows decades ago. But now if you turn on Netflix and you see what are the shows that people watch the most, it's shifted. It's no longer based around families, but it's based around our work. You see The Office, you see Park and Rec, you see Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Scrubs, Superstore, Grace Anatomy. Something has shifted for us. Life has not only become work, but we have also measured our significance of life based off of our work. And there's some good reasons for that. But also, there's always something creeping behind when someone asks you the question, what do you do in life? Because when we wait to hear an answer about the work that we do in our lives, it's also a signal for what our morals and our values, our convictions, what we care about, what we don't care about, shows up in it. And often, we find that what our work looks like and if we're doing good work or not doing good work, justifies our existence. And today, I want to just take this story and put it up against some of the things that we tell ourselves about the work that we do and how in our complicated and most complex moments of work, God can be working. David and Saul's relationship is extremely complicated. If you follow David's story all the way leading up to this moment, you would find that David is beloved, but he was not always beloved. As a matter of fact, if you were here with us last week when you heard the first story, David is forgotten by his father. In the Hebrew Bible, David's mother isn't even mentioned before. David is never claimed to be loved until he meets Saul. Saul loves him, and Saul elevates him to this house, to this cabinet, to work for him. And now he slowly can't stand him. And you see in this moment of the story that Saul is even throwing spears. He's keeping an eye on him and he wants to get rid of him. Talk about complicated work for David. I'm mindful of one of the things when it comes to our work is that we just kind of exited a season that was called the Great Resignation. And one of the things that we are seeing a lot right now is in just the working world, a lot of this is based off of employee power right now. Right now, everyone 
is thinking or contemplating about their job or what they're going to do or what they're not going to do anymore. And usually our tendency when work gets complicated or hard is we either look for something new or we want to exit what we are doing right now. And one of the things that we find in David's life is that God does not exit complicated work, but actually enters into complicated work. When moments get really hard for you at work, usually we want to pull some lever. We think we need new people. We need a different degree or training. We need a new living situation. We need a new boss. We need a new improvement plan. But often what we need in the work that we're doing is more God. We need to settle ourselves in and ask, how is God working in the midst of the work that is in front of me? Because David's reality is you and I's reality as well. That all of us, when we start a chapter in life, we are always starting in the middle of someone else's story. Never the beginning. There's always things that are pre-existing when we start a chapter in life. As Eugene Peterson would say, none of us get a blank page in life. Every chapter of life comes with smudges and scratches, things that aren't ideal, ink stains, complexities. And God does not exit from our complicated work, but he enters into it. There was a professor by the name of Amy Wazinski who actually spent her whole life researching how do people come to love their jobs. And the way that she researched this was she basically went out and she interviewed for several years administrative assistance, mainly because she wanted to interview a job where a lot of people experience turnover. And she went around interviewing and asking the question of, do you view your job as just a job? Is it a career or is it a calling? And she said after years of research, one of the themes that she saw over and over again was that the administrative assistants that said they had found a calling the number one predictor is longevity. That they stayed in it long enough, not just to become good at what they did, but they stayed long enough to see how they contributed in meaningful ways. God's work in David is not a startup. It is within an existing story and within a messy story. As a matter of fact, as David does good work and God works through him, David's work gets more complicated. Many people who study the scriptures have actually said that David, the one that's anointed king, that Samuel says one day you will be king. He spends the first 20 years being a king underneath a bad king. Some of us can't handle 20 minutes with a bad boss. And David spends somewhere close to 20 years. The work of God in David's life to be king first starts with serving a bad king. And David sticks around and stays in this because God is working it. Here's what verse 14 says. David had success in all of his undertakings for the Lord was with him and he was with him in whatever he did which brings us to the second thing i want you to hear this morning that god works through all types of work maybe let me put it to you this way if david had a linkedin account okay it would rock your world 
All right, he would top you. We're told in Scripture that he was an armor bearer. We are told that he plays music for Saul. We're told that he is a commander. We see in the Psalms that he is a poet. David does all sorts of work. And one thing I want you to listen really closely, even just seen in this story, is that there are moments where David is working in the household of Saul. And there are also moments where David is working on the front lines of battle for Saul. That there's two different ways that he is working. And I guess one of the things I want us to hear is that God works through both. God works through those working in a household and God works with those who are on the front line fighting battles. You know, many people seem to go through midlife crisis in their life. Moment where they're like, oh, what, what am I doing with my life? Have I done something with my life? You know, it's fascinating to listen to people who are trying to follow God. I feel like we have mid-faith crisis as well. It seems like really common. I get to hear at some point in someone's spiritual journey, they're like, am I doing something like radical enough for God? Because in a culture like where we view uniqueness as significance, we tend to think the people, the people who are doing God's real work are the people that are going to other countries and they're fighting battles like poverty and hungry. And the rest of us who have a nine to five job have sold out. And God's kingdom works through all types of work. And God brings meaning to both. God needs people who will go to other countries and fight battles that need to happen. But God will also work with those of us who buy a house, plant roots somewhere, and sign up to be PTA president. God needs both of those types of work. It's cool to be radical, but faith is also rooted. God does something in both of them. And if we elevate one over the other, we need to be careful what we're saying about God. Because if we elevate one and think that God's all of his action is out there. Then we need to be careful about what we're saying with those who are homebound. Or our kids or those who have medical limitations. God works through all kinds of work. Joshua Butler tells a story about talking about work one time. And a mother came up to him and she goes, you know what? I practice Matthew 25, 645 every time in the morning. And Matthew, Joshua Butler goes, what is Matthew 25? And she goes, it's a story about Jesus feeding the hungry and clothing those who are naked. And he goes, well, why 645? And she goes, because that is the, as late as my kids will let me sleep in. And then I start feeding them and I clothe them. And he goes, I like that because that is part of the work God puts in front of us. Martin Luther, a Christian in the 1400s said, God will milk the cows for those who it is their vocation. My question for you this morning is why are you not milking a cow? That's a joke. Okay, that's not my question this morning. My question though for you is do you go to work and do you consider that God can be working through your work? Do you believe that God can work through you as a lawyer, as a parent, as a caretaker, as a volunteer, as a retiree? Are you mindful that God works through all types of work? You know, I, some of you know I'm 
coming off of just a very heavy weekend of grief. I've done another funeral and I'm tired of funerals. I'm just showing up to church of where I'm at. And it just amazed me and dawned on me that as I sat down to write another eulogy, every single time I am reminded, it is not pastors, it's not people like me standing up here that truly influence people's lives. It's that baseball coach people had in third grade. It was that boss that took you behind closed doors and said, you got to clean it up. It was that one lady at church that would always walk up to you and make you feel seen. At the end of people's lives, the work that influences them is the work that is in front of you day by day. It's not just people who hold my role as a minister. God's work is happening in what is set before you if we're attentive to it. Which brings me to my last thing. That sometimes we focus so much on the what that we miss the how. God's work in the how is just as important as the what that we do. I want you to consider this imagery for a second of how complex David's working situation is. If you look with me in verse 10, we're told that David is holding something. Saul was prophesying in his house. And while David was playing the lyre, which is a harp, he, as he usually did. So we're told in 1 Samuel 18.10 that David is holding a harp. But then the next verse, we're told Saul had a spear in his hand and he hurled it himself and said, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. The writer of 1 Samuel tells you in the midst of God working in this household, there's one who holds a spear and one who holds a harp. The question every person must ask in their work is, do you hold a harp or do you hold a spear in the work you do? Are you the person that adds in your workplace? Or are you the person that seeks to take away? One plays, one hunts. David seeks to serve. Saul seeks to sever. One seeks to add. Another seeks to take away. No matter how complicated your work is, the question you must ask, even when it's dissatisfying, or you're ready to move on, or your boss is frustrating, is asking, what are you holding in your hands? A harp or a spear? I had one member come up to me after, after the sermon and he goes, can I double fist? I feel, like I, I feel like I hold the spear and the harp at the same time. I guess what I would say to you if you're double fisting this morning would be drop one. Drop the spear. There are people who in their work answer this question weekly. One of them that I want to tell you about is Candace Walker. If you would meet Candace Walker, you would know she has chosen a harp, not a spear, in the work that she does. If you found her in her job, she would be known for working on the chemotherapy hall, but she would never, ever call it that. She always called it the house and hall of hope. And if you were to follow her on a given day, you would find her with bagels in her hand and coffee, and she would be consoling different people in different 
rooms. As a matter of fact, as she would walk through the halls, she would weekly rearrange the pictures that were in the halls to change it up for people. She would go on lunch break and buy people groceries for families that were grieving. Many people called her the savior on the hall. But the most important thing to know about Candace Walker is her title of her job. On her name tag, you would not find doctor, social worker, or nurse. You would find custodian. Because Candace Walker, every day, focused not just on what she was doing, but how she was doing it. And at one point, someone asked Candace Walker, Candace, do people ask you to do this within your job? And she said, no, it's not part of my job, but it's part of me. It is part of you as human to work and partner with God in whatever is set before you. Lives like Candace Walker is picking up the heart, no matter how dissatisfied or complicated in the work week it tends to be. So here's the question that I want to leave you with today. Is in the work you do, are you grabbing a harp or are you grabbing a spear? And we can answer this question for you really easily. I don't want you to think about the week you're about to have. I want you to think about the week you just had. In your workplace, are you encouraging? Are you soothing people? And are you adding to the work of others? Because that's the life of the heart. Or this past week, did you find yourself deflating, discouraging, or complaining about your work setting or the people you work with or the people you work for? Because that is the way of the spear. Maybe another way to ask this internally is ask, what would others say? Would others around you say that you seek to compliment every day or you seek to compete? Would others say you point out problems or do you point out solutions? Would others say you complain or you contribute? Because we answer every day with whatever God has put in front of you. If you're going to reach for the spear or reach for the heart. God can be at work no matter the complexity we find around our work. God can work in all different types of work. And God cares about how you go about your work just as much as the what in your work. My prayer for you this week is that you can discover how God is working in your work right now. Let me pray for us. I'm gonna invite Ted Neal to come bless us. Uh, so God, we lift up to you whatever you have placed before us Whatever we have in front of us, whether that is taking care of our families, whether that is uh, serving a nine-to-five job, whether that is uh, contributing or volunteering in different ways, God, if that is us caretaking, we want to just give over the work that you've handed to us. Spirit of God, we pray, may you help us embody your nature one that soothes, one that adds, one that contributes, one that creates culture through our work this week. God, help us to see what is in our hands as we work with the people that we work for and with. May you help us see how you're bringing about good things and revealing heaven coming to earth.
pray all this in your most powerful name. Amen.